You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on clean. Now looking at the eternal vision of purity. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. And here's today's teaching. Welcome back to our series, Clean. And I do want to say a very special thank you for all of you who have listened to the entire series. Presumably, you're not starting with a conclusion, but you've already listened to 30 or more podcasts on the topic. Thank you for your perseverance. The lesson is entitled The Eternal Vision of Purity. In this series, this month-long series, we've taken a good hard look at purity and transformation as taught in the Bible, as provided for a number of people in different situations. Uh, Last time we talked about purity and transformation in Christian theology, in the broad Christian categories of church, uh, broadly defined, generously defined in Christian history. And we see there that among Catholics and Protestants especially, the power of the cross has been celebrated far more than the power of the resurrection. Let me read a familiar passage from Philippians 3 and uh, justify that, that charge. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participating in his sufferings, to become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul speaks of the power of the cross in many of his letters. Here in Philippians 3, he mentions also the power of his resurrection. Resurrection is not just something that happened to Christ on Easter Sunday, nor is it only something that will happen to us at the last day when the living and the dead meet the Lord, when all the dead are raised. Resurrection is a reality and a power in our lives even now. Romans 6.4 comes to mind. It's a baptism passage, but it says that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. It's not so much an event, like getting saved, quote-unquote, as it's a lifestyle. So there's been fairly little emphasis, and certainly very low in the expectation department uh, for the average member, so-called, among the Western churches, Catholics and Protestants. Most self-proclaimed Christian groups simply do not grasp this important truth. I met a fellow today, really nice guy. Um, I lost my cell phone in the middle of the field. He and his wife were walking through the forest and for some strange reason ended up crossing the field. And his wife just happened to notice it. Anyway, it was amazing. You know, I, I called my own phone and finally got it back at his home. And he told me the story of his life and how he had got saved. 10 years ago. And I believe that he said his life was a mess, and now it's very different. I have no reason to even doubt that. But it's this concept that we are discussing. Getting saved is not just a one-part or one-stage event, something that happens to us, the blood of Christ covering us so we don't need to take discipleship too seriously, unless our faith means something to us, and that will entail a public dimension and sharing. And it's always great when you meet someone like that, isn't it? But unless that's part of it, 
then the individual has not grasped this important truth. And historically speaking, Protestants and Catholics have severely persecuted those who've held to a more biblical view, those who've said, Jesus really meant we should follow him and obey him. If we love him, we obey him. I mean, the Catholics would burn them, the Protestants would drown them and do other things. But the emphasis on the resurrection, on the lifestyle that must follow uh, as you know, we die with Christ, that is nothing we have any right to remove from the gospel message. I had a friend at church today. For her, such an emphasis on Christ was really new. I think very few people from Protestant background even understand the idea of salvation being in two stages. I mean, you're sin, you're saved, but you continue to confess, you continue to walk in the light, and if you are, you know, Christians too will be judged according to the New Testament, according to Jesus and Paul. Salvation in two stages. Okay, that's just uh, bring you up to speed and uh, summarizing a little bit of where we've come from. What about the eternal vision of purity? What, you know, life on our earth, whatever happens in the future, it's going to be different. We all expect to die. And if the new creation somehow involves the present creation, that's wonderful. But whatever happens, there's going to be a lot of it. <laughs> Because this life and this world are are temporary and very finite. It's going to be a lot of it. It's going to last a long time. You know, what is it that God's looking for long term? There are three points I'd like to leave with you. If you've understood the clean series, I think these will resonate and make sense. The first is that only the holy, only the pure in heart will dwell in the new Jerusalem. Now, you may recognize the beatitude. It's Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And if we negate it, uh, the people who are not pure in heart will not see God. So it's not just a suggestion. In the book of Revelation, fine linen is a metaphor for righteous deeds, for a life of obedience, a life of following the Lord. We see that in Revelation 19, verse 8, verse 14. Let me read a little bit more from the end of Revelation. In chapter 22, we read, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs. And then he lists a number of different sins. Washing a robes is not just, okay, I got saved. Okay, uh, I was baptized. The cleanliness is not just the initial cleansing. It's a lifestyle. It continues. In the previous chapter, Revelation 21, we read, I do not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. And jumping down a little bit, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, in the Bible, your name can be entered in the book of life. It can be removed from the book of life. There are a number of verses illustrating that in both Testaments. But notice what he says. Notice what Jesus Christ has said to John. Nothing impure will ever enter it. We've got to be pure. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's impossible. Hebrews 12, 14. 
So this is the first truth we really should think about, that only the holy will dwell in the new Jerusalem. Purity, cleansing, is not just a suggestion to improve our lives. It's actually a requirement if our salvation is going to be complete. It's complete only in Christ. Yes, he died for all of our sins. Yes, we're saved by grace. No, I do not teach that we're justified by clawing our way to God, trying to win his approval and show how good we are. But a true faith is a living faith. A faith without deeds is dead, just like the body without the spirit is dead. James 2.26. All right. That's the first truth. Here's the second. There will be only one eternal kingdom. Many, many people imagine that at the end of time, well, it's very hard to even conceive of that concept, isn't it? But we think that ultimately people will go to heaven or people will go to hell. Heaven will always exist. Hell will always exist. God will be the king in heaven. Satan will be the king in hell. And you know, there'll just be those two camps forever and ever. I don't really think that's biblical. In fact, I don't think God ultimately is going to leave any impurity in his world. There'll be only one kingdom. Only one kingdom that lasts, an eternal kingdom. When I did a lot of research for my book on heaven and hell, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 28 really struck me. But I'd like to back up a few verses and just read a section from this great chapter, and uh, let, and then I'll, I'll try to restate the conclusion in case it's not clear. This is the chapter, of course, on the resurrection. And looking into the future, Paul says, Then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Now, it's talking about Jesus Christ. So, Jesus hands over the kingdom to the Father because Jesus is subordinate to the Father. Yes, the Father is God and Jesus is the Son of God. But they're not equals. There's a subordination. So, Even Jesus is obedient. He hands over the kingdom after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Now, this is after the the end of, of, well, our world as we know it, with all the, 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 the powers and the sin. And we continue. It says, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says everything put under him, it's clear that doesn't include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Now, we don't have to exhaust the passage. We don't have to drain it of every possible interpretation. Just listen to that one part. Ultimately, God will be all in all. And if I'm understanding that correctly, there's not going to be a kingdom of the evil one. Biblically, hell runs its course. The punishment is suited and lasts as long as it needs to. Luke 12, 47, 48. There will be only one eternal kingdom. It will be pure. It is where the holy will live. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
the pure in heart. They will see God. One kingdom. Third, when we have purity of heart, then we have purity of will. This is a really practical point. See, Jesus was pure. His purity, of course, was far more than, you know, he didn't sin sexually, which is why so many people uh, limit uh, the meaning of purity. And it wasn't simply that he had pure motives or that he was pure from all different kinds of sins. He never gave in. Let's think for a moment about his purity of will. John says some incredible things uh, in his gospel. I mean, Jesus says them, but John relates them. Like, the one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Wow. In John 4, 34, Jesus tells his disciples, who are not doing so great evangelistically, that his food is to do the will of the Father, to finish his work. That's what we mean by purity of will. They're so close that their wills coincide. I, the Father and I are one uh, in chapter 10, verse 30. So uh, true purity of heart, the, the kind that the Lord is looking for, means that we will have purity of will. Just as Jesus was determined to understand and to follow the will of the Father, so we will do the same. I hope that makes good sense. Let me, I wanted, I was going to conclude with practical suggestions, but I decided, no, um, I'm going to do them right now, and then we'll conclude for a more proper sense of closure. But here are some suggestions. One, if you want to you know, improve your will, if you want to be more holy, now that this series is over, uh, what can you do? Well, one thing, you could listen to the series again, maybe go straight through. Actually, my personal practice when I've been especially struck by a lesson is to listen to it again and again. Very often I'll listen to a recorded lesson two or three times. It's extremely helpful uh, because the content may be new for me, in which case I know I won't remember everything, or, or maybe it's the way it's put, and it will help me to change my thinking and even how, to, how I communicate to others. We could always go without what we crave or may overuse. Maybe you eat too much or drink too much or take too much aspirin, or watch too much TV, whatever it is that you're used to doing, cut back. Set a goal. Remove this from your life for a month, or whatever period makes sense in your situation, and expect that God will show you something about yourself. It's like fasting. And then a third suggestion would be to talk with a friend who's gone through this series. A lot of you who've been listening around the world, on every continent, have shared with one another your thoughts Continue. Compare notes. Because that experience can strengthen your conviction and provide companionship in the striving to develop a holy life. Those are some suggestions. So in our clean series, purity, cleansing, leprosy, exorcism, reanimation, we've been looking at new beginnings. Pleasing the Lord. This is not possible by by willpower alone, but only by the blood of Christ, which purifies us and makes us into new creations. The eternal vision of purity, only the holy will dwell in the new Jerusalem. There will be only one eternal kingdom. And when we have purity of heart, then 
we have purity of will. These three points, may we appreciate them and live, live them out. And I'd like to return by, by rereading the final scripture of the previous podcast, which assures us that every day can be a new day, regardless of how you've been in your purity of heart, action, mind, will, there's always hope to change, to be closer to the Lord. And every day is a new day. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Transformation day by day. Let's be clean in 2017 or 2018 or 2019 or 2020 or 3020 or whatever year that you're listening to this. Thank you for being part of the series. Let's determine to live in purity, follow our Lord. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on clean. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.